Hi, and welcome to WOW Talk. I'm Donna Capacity, a thriving cancer survivor. And I'm her naturopathic doctor, Darlene Gustin. We're here to encourage, educate, and empower you on your journey to optimum wellness. Okay, so welcome. Today we're going to talk about heart health. Because why, Dr. Gustin? Why is today a good day to do that? Well, it's February. And, and in fact, it's Groundhog Day, so I'm in a really good mood. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> so uh, rumor has it Groundhog says spring is on its way. Yeah. yeah, but uh, we all know Valentine's is coming up, but actually the, the whole month is dedicated to heart health. Yes. And uh, so we try to increase our education of heart health to patients. And especially because the majority of my patients are women, heart health is much more likely to fall through the cracks in females. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the whole understanding of the physiology, diagnosis, treatment, medication of heart health was all originally designed around middle-aged men because at that time, that was primarily who was having the issues. But heart cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of women. And it's, oh. it's a big deal because we're more likely to fall through the cracks. So it's not a guarantee that having good blood pressure and good cholesterol, that's not enough. In, no. in females, that's not enough screening, uh, the absence of symptoms. Also, many people don't feel their high blood pressure until it's dangerously high. You certainly don't feel if your cholesterol is elevated. But the new research is really getting away from blaming cholesterol for all of this. So after about 30 years of blaming cholesterol, the new research is saying it's actually more about the sugar. Really? Yes. So okay, sugar so is... is actually the number one cause of heart disease. So, so the way the research kind of changed over time was that maybe five to 10 years ago, because of how many people were falling through the cracks, ending up with heart attacks, strokes, premature death, nobody saw it coming. Then they said, how, how did that be? How could you have such big blockages and die or have a heart attack, but your cholesterol was normal and your blood pressure was fine? So the way I simplify it to my patients, was it your blood's fault or your blood vessel's fault? So even if you take medications and supplements to reduce the amount of circulating cholesterol, that's not a guarantee that there's not cardiovascular plaque and blockages in the vessels. So they started looking more at the vessel walls rather than just the blood. And they talked about inflammation, vascular inflammation. So I was running a lot of blood work that would test for vascular inflammation in people who I was suspicious of cardiovascular health um, due to family history, due to whatever other reasons. And that is where I caught some of those people falling through the cracks that they did show blood work that had vascular inflammation. And then we asked one more question. What is the reason for the blood vessel being inflamed? Because when the blood vessel is inflamed, it's sticky, it's magnetic, it's like Velcro. So even a normal amount of cholesterol in the circulation, you sneak and grab a piece here, a piece there, and you're secretly building a blockage, but the quality of the blood circulating is fine. And yeah, 
And then, and then when people, when I have this conversation with patients and they say, what caused the inflammation of the blood vessel? Well, that's the big, biggest question of all. And so I say it goes back to the quality of the blood beyond just cholesterol. So we know that things like the bacteria that are in your dental plaque, we know that things like um, acidity, calcium, so different nutritional things, different things of toxicity in the blood, hormonal imbalances, and blood sugar. So blood sugar became the number one answer, but it's not the only answer. No, I find that really fascinating. I never, ever would have suspected it was sugar. Okay, so let's walk through this. What do we do to find out if we're one of those people that may in fact fall through the cracks? Exactly. So, so there's blood work you can ask for that measures inflammation. Inflammation is measured a few different ways. So there's a sed rate and there's C-reactive protein. There's highly sensitive C-reactive protein. And you can even pass all of those blood works and you're still inflamed. Um, but at least it's somewhere to start. And also there's a blood test called HbA1c which is usually on the list with an annual physical exam. And it represents a longer picture of about three months, how well your sugar behavior has been for the three months prior to that blood test. Same thing with cholesterol. It usually um, represents the three months prior to the blood test. So anytime a patient is doing a lifestyle change or a supplement or medication, the spacing between blood work is at least three months. And so I tell people, when you have that blood test, look backwards in time, keep good notes. If you have a uniquely good blood test, what were you doing right? And if you have a blood test that's worse than average, what were you doing wrong? For instance, checking your cholesterol and HbA1c in January, the three months prior to that is the Christmas Thanksgiving. Holidays, yeah. Yeah, and Halloween. Yeah versus you might look completely different in September. If you're an avid hiker and a gardener and you're eating all the food you grow and you're outside getting exercise, stress management and sunshine. Yes. So it could vary a lot seasonally. Yeah, yeah, okay, so you do these blood tests. Uh, okay, so I am gonna ask the question um, that's on my mind and it may be on our listeners' minds as well. People who are diabetic, I guess they, um, would they be at a higher risk? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, I mean, generally speaking, they may be, but I'm thinking now because of the sugar being so important and the number one reason that is really remarkable in a scary way. So what would you say, uh, would be the course of action or the treatment? Now, let's say somebody comes in to see you, what would you do? to kind of get them going. I know that's all different. I know it's all independent, but is there something general that we could all do? I mean, we all know about, yes, eat nutritiously, you know, have a, a exercise, that kind of a lifestyle, but. Whoop. Well, usually I look for something measurable because that helps motivate people. And I do a lot of education on the things about health that you don't feel. Sometimes I tell them to buy themselves a blood pressure cuff and get a bunch of readings at home 
So some people have white coat syndrome where their blood pressure is elevated because they're in an appointment and somebody else is looking. So I say, get your own collection at home and, and look for triggers. So if you have higher blood pressures the week that you've been going out for dinner a lot, there's probably more salt and more fat. And then if you are drinking less water, if you're having more sweets, what were you doing right or wrong that made you look good or, or look bad? Um, to have something measurable on themselves at home and to become more aware. And also, of course, to share that information with their healthcare provider. But ultimately, the sad and hopeful truth in this whole big story is that heart disease for most people is a consequence of unhealthy lifestyle. So the answer is simple. It's healthy lifestyle, stress management, physical activity, and a good diet. Maybe I could say the Mediterranean diet, Mm -hmm. but it's simple, but that doesn't mean it's easy, especially in this modern world where we don't have time to cook. We don't have time to go to the gym. We don't like the gym. All of the above. Yeah. So, so in my practice, I focus heavily on what we call lifestyle medicine to put the onus of responsibility on the patient as much as possible. doesn't matter how small those baby steps are, but I don't want you on supplements any more than you want to be on medications either. So, so to maximize lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Are there symptoms we should be looking out for? How would a woman of my age even know that there's something going on? Well, that's the whole point. Most of the time, there are no symptoms. So possibly you have a faster heart rate, possibly you have high blood pressure, but it's not high enough that you feel it. So you have to check. It starts with just prevention, looking at the blood work, taking the blood pressure. And if you haven't been doing that, you might have shortness of breath. So a popular symptom would be, how do you feel at the top of a flight of stairs? Walk up one flight of stairs. Are you out of breath? And um, But other than that, there aren't a lot of symptoms. There, there could be some clues physically on the body. So when a naturopathic doctor does a physical exam, sometimes we see cholesterol deposits that are physically visible on top of the eye, where the white part of the eye has a border with the colored part of your eye. You might see like a greasy yellow circle. And the other really interesting clue to cardiovascular disease is having a crease in your, in your earlobe. So to take a look at, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for those of you who can't see my friend Donna here is trying to look at her earlobes at the moment. (laughs) Yeah, she's good. She's good. No crease in the earlobe. So it's in the earlobe, maybe there's a crease. Yeah, the earlobe itself, it just has a little fold in it. Oh my goodness. A crease. You can Google it. Crease on earlobe. You'll see a thousand examples. Wow. So so that's a little clue to look for. And um, but that's that's the scary part is that there are not very many symptoms or clues and and you have to go looking for it and it's affecting pretty much half the population it's the number one cause of death and there's a lot we can do about it and in and if you think age is going to protect you that's not a guarantee i mean no you could have a stroke or heart attack at age 40 and pass away you could end up 
in a stroke in a wheelchair and spend the rest of your life in a wheelchair. So it's not fun either way. It, it affects your length of life and your quality of life. And it's really worth preventing. I agree with you. And I think we sh could and should do a separate episode on stroke, perhaps. I'm not sure if, of course. if, if we can, because that is something, as you know, my mother suffered from. And yeah. she went from, and, and this is actually, a, you know, a great example, is anyone looking at her would have thought she was healthy and in great shape. And she was. She was. She ate very well. She had a, a very good diet. She exercised every day, played tennis, swam, golf, bowled. Like she was the epitome of like the poster woman for a healthy adult who was in her 70s. She was 75. And we had no idea she had AFib, which is, again, the heart, and had her stroke and was in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. And yep. brain damage too. It was really, it was really sad, and it was shocking to all of us. And you know, and and I'm conscious of it. I'm her daughter, you know. Of and of course, I, and uh, and with AFib, let me just define what that is. So that's that's an irregularity of the heartbeat itself. And when you lose that harmony in the heartbeat, then you can have very instant coagulation of the blood and the blood clot and then it gets stuck in the brain or wherever exactly and what happened exactly and so so postmenopausal woman just being postmenopausal and female is a risk factor of cardiovascular health and it's not fully understood yet but of course having proper hormone levels age appropriate hormone levels is very protective against heart health and the other thing is that when people think heart health and blockages, they're thinking about central veins, uh, arteries. So I, I use simple words with my patients. It's like big blockages in the big vessels in the middle of your body. So having something like a stress test, which is when you are monitored jogging on a treadmill, how does your heart perform with that? That's one non-invasive way of saying you must have some big blockages in some big vessels. Oh. And this is where we also see a gender difference that females could have what's called peripheral artery disease. So they may not have big blockages in the big vessels in the middle of their body. They might have issues, blockages, calcifications of the small blood vessels in the edges of the body. So the fingers, the toes, and the brain right? Why? So there's just so many different variations of heart health and differences at different age and different gender that people don't realize and they don't have the whole picture. Oh, wow. I have learned quite a bit in this last 12 minutes. Is there anything else, Dr. Gustin, that you would like to add? I would say it's, you know, just take a serious look at your lifestyle. Just take a really raw look at, get real with yourself. Like, do you drink enough water? Do you get enough exercise? Do you eat enough vegetables? How much alcohol do you have? Alcohol converts to sugar. So count that as sugar. How much saturated fat do you have? How much fiber? I mean, the majority of patients that I see, it's always the same story. You need more protein, you need more water, you need more fiber, eat less processed food. But the problem is there's nobody at home to cook it. 
And, and I say to my patients, there's a big difference between driving up to um, the subway and going home with a salami sandwich that's processed meat, nitrates, and a whole bunch of bread versus popping into the local grocery store and getting a salad, a stir fry, or a soup and sandwich. So if you can't cook it yourself, you're too tired to pack your own lunch, then it's not the most perfect lunch that I could dream up of, but it's way better than your Tim Horton drive through or your McDonald's drive through Just improve it, even if yeah. you know, sometimes I tell people who are very addicted to their favorite drive through place, and I say, if you have been ordering a pop and fries and a burger every day for lunch, five days a week for the 20 years before I met you, which one of them can you dump? Are you okay with switching the pop to water? Are you okay with ditching the fries? And and that's already a 30% improvement. Wow, right? yes, that makes such great sense. And I think that's our takeaway too in all this is you mentioned earlier, baby steps, any little step that we can take towards improving our health style. Exactly. Health yes. style. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just made it up. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to cut the words down, right? Lifestyle or healthy lifestyle. Anyway, that's, that's what we're going to say. Well, it's our health style. And then, yeah, that's, I guess that's what we can do, right? To make yeah. a difference in our lives and to get on the right path and uh, try to be here as long as possible and in good shape as long as possible, right? Exactly, and, and like I said, I just wanna repeat this because these are such profound words of wisdom. The answer to this is simple. It's just not easy, right? Well said, well and, said. And, and you don't have to be a health nut overnight. Just, just pick something obvious and, and take one step something that's doable for you, something that's a keeper, something that can become a habit. And when that becomes subconscious and easy, then you make the second step, right? So step one could be, I really want my pup and my burger, but I'll drop the fries. And then three months, 12 months after that, I'm not going to go through the hamburger joint. I'm going to go to the grocery store and get the ready-made salad with roasted chicken slices on top of that. So there's a lot of different versions of what that baby step could be. It could be okay. having less sugar in your coffee. So you might not be ready to stop your morning coffee drive through, but go from two sugars down to one, go from one sugar down to two, drop the sugar, right? Yeah. So whatever your baby step is, just start somewhere. Okay. All fantastic, fantastic tips. Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you all for listening. Please send us your questions and comments. We always love to hear from you. Okay, Bye. have a good week. Bye. Bye.